1: CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by RedMain and BlackBerry. Welcome to CTN CIO Talk Network with your host, Sanjogal. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjogal. Hello and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more, please visit
2: CIOtalknetwork.com. And today's topic is simplifying digital now. And next, and I have with me Stephen John, who is the CIO with the Pride Services.
3: Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing today?
2: Very good, sir. Life is good. And I'm enjoying a lovely weather here in Chicago. And uh, we are here to talk digital. So, so, you know, I'm sure in your organization, everybody's talking digital and, and thinking about what the next will bring and what do we do with it now. So, while, while that is happening and it's pervasive across industries, across countries or geographic boundaries, we wanted to see if there's a way to get some method to the madness or simplify this whole uh, the notion of digital. And and so, what we have seen is different people have digital and uh, digital is top of mind for them and, and they are trying to interpret and implement differently in different organizations so uh, is there some commonality is there a common denominator that one and all fundamental building blocks that one can put here so that we can uh, make the digital journey or even starting it or going through the journey a little easier
3: yeah i, th- I think there are kind of uh, three areas i'd talk about there and one is one is I'll, I'll, I'll talk about principles to live and lead by. Uh, one would be kind of removing uh, you know, or, or working on those foundational issues, and then the last one would be something I would call liberation. Uh, so, so if you think about principles to live and lead by, you kind of step away from the technology and you say, what you really need is, is you need technology that's secure, uh, mobile, accessible, uh, virtual, uh, transparent, uh and shareable. Uh, and so you kind of set up these principles that you're going to live and lead by as you move uh towards uh, uh this new technology and this new way of of connecting with with customers and connecting with uh, your ecosystem and connecting with your peers in the business. Uh the second would be, you know, kind of uh these foundational issues. And so if you think about uh uh I was hired uh in my current job to do digital it was kind of the, the recruiter description of what they wanted. Now, sometimes uh, recruiters uh, uh, hire people for what's kind of uh, the fad of the day, and when you get there, you really have a whole bunch of other work to do before you can get there, and that's kind of what I ran into here is there were some foundational things that had to be taken care of first. And so, uh, you know, if you're uh, – Uh, You're running. It takes 36 hours to run a report. Then your information is not accessible. Uh, It's not virtual. And so I had to rebuild the information stack, for example, uh, to uh, to kind of lay the foundation uh, for these other things to be able to work on those guiding principles. And then the last thing, the liberation, uh, is if you, you think of a CIO or an IT department has three types of work. They have operational work. They have transformational work, and they have strategic work. Digital is really dealing with that transformational and that strategic work. So you have to liberate yourself from the operational work. And one of the ways uh, that that's happening is is really kind of outsourcing to the cloud. And if you think about the cloud, it's a deeper form of outsourcing. So you're not just outsourcing people. You're outsourcing data center, security, uh, development, Q&A, et cetera. And so that liberates you from operational work where we in the past have spent most of our time. So you spend more time on this fast-paced uh, digital work, which really takes place more on the transformation on the strategic layers. Does that make sense?
2: It does, and and by the way, we have Brian Solis, who's the author of X, the experience where uh, when business meets design, and he's
4: also joined us. Hey, Brian, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, and it's, uh, it's great to be here, and that was uh, enjoying this conversation so far.
2: And, and yeah, I'd love to have you piggyback on that because the question here is that we are all trying to do something with digital to make things happen now and also prepare for the next. And of course, the, the couple of building blocks that Steve mentioned, they are, uh, in my view, spot on in terms of what we need to do. But what else are you seeing as you talk to other leaders?
4: Yeah, I was very much enjoying Steve's commentary, uh, especially around, you know, operational, strategic, and transformational work that is being done within the organization today. I I think a lot of this, too, is just being done without, uh, you know, just to be honest, without vision. Uh, I think this is very much uh, a reaction to trying to compete for the future by fixing a lot of legacy, uh, Issues that are within the organization today, but doing it in the name of digital transformation. Uh, when in fact, I think part of what I don't see enough uh, is this vision within the organization that comes not just from IT but from leadership that says this is what the, this is what the company or what the organization is supposed to be in the next five to ten years. Uh, and I think that's not that's not an IT problem. That's just a simple legacy mindset problem of what what. Kind of business are we in, and what does it mean to compete in a digital economy and that really stems from the fact that decision makers at that level are they, they report to shareholders and they talk to stakeholders and they are sort of out of touch with how the market is actually evolving from an everyday human perspective that customers think and act differently than the way that executives uh, live their company in the real world. Uh, and so I think what, when, you, when you get that mind sh- uh, mindset shift, you would have a very powerful vision for IT and, and transformation in general, of which the company can use technology to compete for the future as a new company.
2: So, Brian, your comment is uh, well taken. I would have a concern about somebody talking about vision the way we used to talk circa 2000, year 2000, because the disruption that's happening today, I'm not sure if Steve or his boss, his CEO, or anyone for that matter, could really have a crystal ball which he could see three years out because there are fundamental disruptions happening on uh, literally on a daily basis. So, Steve, if I were to have you become that person who can predict the future and and think about where digital could be utilized. How far could you even go?
3: Well, I'd, I guess I'd approach that in in in, in uh, uh, with kind of a philosophy. So I, I teach a class for IT executives in New York, and and one of the first things I do is there's there's kind of four things that every technology executive needs needs in their toolkit, and one of those is something I call foresight and ambition, and it really has two layers to it. You have foresight and ambition on behalf of the organization or the business, and you have foresight and ambition on behalf of technology. And what our job as CIOs or IT executives is, is to look at where those intersections are. And there might be multiple intersections going forward in the, into the future. What the, what the CEO's job is, is they're really looking at the foresight and ambition on behalf of, of the business. And so I'm, I'm getting aligned with the CEO and having that same foresight, uh, maybe a little bit of different input there, but I'm also looking at that technology layer and seeing how that can help uh, us achieve that goal. So it's not about, going back to the vision idea, it's not about the technology. It's about how technology can help that foresight and ambition on behalf of the business. So, you know, I don't know how far in the future you can go. You know, where are we going to go with wearables? Where are we going to go with with all these other things? What we get caught up in is, is especially as CIOs, is not all businesses are the same, and not all businesses are at the same a place in their maturity, and not all consumers are in the same place uh, around maturity either. And so, and different insta- industries are in different places. So, it's, it gets to be about what needs to be done in the right place at the right time and at the right, uh, uh, right level. Does that make sense? It does. Now,
2: Brian, my question will be based on Steve's definition of the CIO having the vision and the foresight and, and, and you know the, the approaches that you mentioned, Steve. So, Brian, the question is, do you think CIOs are at a point where they could still only call themselves as an enabler or the CEOs are actually looking at them to say, you know what, tell me or let me rethink or help me rethink what's possible? Because you understand technology, the way it can morph, not how it is morphing. And, and why don't you help lead this whole effort? Isn't that where yeah, where I, CEOs is uh, basically elevating a CIO's persona?
4: Well, I think <clears throat> you know Steve. Steve's point is exactly right. I, I think it's it's really a matter of the CIO also has, I believe, has to have vision as well. Uh, for just just even in in Steve's comments that show that. In his work, he's he's trying to align uh, his his roadmap with the business objectives, so that there can be synergy between between the two. I I couldn't imagine uh, that it, it it could or should be any other way. But yet, it's 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 actually very common that you know CIOs are still operating against technology roadmaps from the management perspective. Uh, this is why digital transformation, uh, in in my research, found that you know there are, there are six stages to to Steve's point around maturity. Is that You know, there are organizations, not just holistically, but just even by their respective silos are at different levels in terms of what they believe are the priorities, uh, what they're investing in, which is why you see a lot of CMOs uh, and even chief digital officers investing outside of the CIO role uh, in technology as a means of trying to compete differently. But when companies get much more mature, they realize that they do have to work in a concerted effort, and the CIOs are a very big part of that. Uh, okay. But I think it also comes down to the the individual CIO. So I, I I've talked to David Bray, for example, uh, the CIO of uh the Federal Communications Commission, and he 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 had a. I think every story of of transformation has to start with the individual, right? What what role do you want to play in this transformation? Are you going to iterate, which is just make you know things better using new technology to do the same things better, or are we also going to look at where we can innovate based on the business objectives of the organization and also aligned with how the market trends are are unfolding? So I don't know that we have to be futurists, but I do think that CIOs have to think about well, you know, there's the role that I have today, and there's the role that I think we could build as the architects of, of tomorrow right now, and I have to divide my time and resources accordingly to help us as an organization achieve these goals.
2: So so based on what you just said, Brian, uh, Steve, if we were to look at where we are and where we want to go, do you think we can just be the the uh, at a level where we say it is still business IT alignment? Would you not say technologies become the very fabric, the very DNA, would you not say that you are actually supposed to have a convergence? If you're still talking, still alignment, that means you're not ready for digital.
3: Well, no, I'm, I'm not sure. I and, and, and I would add a third leg to that stool where it's it's not only alignment between IT and the business, it's, it's alignment with IT business and the customer or the consumer because they, uh, they're they actually uh, pulling us uh towards some of this technology uh the mere fact that everybody has this uh, incredible piece of technology called a smart smartphone in their hand makes us need to do things differently uh ATMs are wonderful but nobody goes to a bank because of their ATM they go to a bank because they can do things on their cell phone and don't have to go to the bank and so so the world is is shifting and it's being pulled a lot of it by the the the, the consumer Uh, And so it's not just what the business wants. It's not just what IT can provide. uh, It's what the consumer demands, and it's what our competition is doing to meet that demand uh, either uh, ahead of us or behind us.
2: So, so Steve, would it be a dated conversation to say you have to have a seat at the table because that we used to talk 10 years ago? So I'm sure you have to be at the table for you to do anything. So are you being looked differently in this age when you're supposed to drive digital versus the traditional corporate operational uh, stuff that IT is supposed to deliver?
3: So I just, I just uh, finished up uh, and, and spoke recently at a conference on this exact subject. I worked with CIO magazine to talk about the, the CIO uh, of the future and uh and and we have, we talked about this subject, and, and, and I'm still in a position that the CIO role, uh, CIO profession is, is a very young profession. It is still uh, changing. It is still emerging. And the one thing I think that remains true is that you, as a CIO, have to continually earn your seat at the table. It's never a given. And so you earn that seat at the table by not just bringing technology, but bringing technology that meets business ends. And so, so we, we have a very rich moment in our profession's history uh, to earn that seat at the table, but we still have to earn it.
2: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Brian, when we come back, we should talk about why this nervousness about going digital. Yes, of course, we are excited, but I think a lot more people are nervous because they don't know where to start, how this is going to go with so many things coming their way. So, is it because we are putting some deadline to say, I need to get it yesterday or I'm going to lose the race? Or is there something that they can do so that you actually pull back, lean back, and start rethinking what's possible, what's relevant to your organization, and then take those baby steps? What's the rush? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here.
0: Visit today.
3: Your
1: growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit BlackBerry.com forward slash enterprise. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Brian, why are we getting all nervous
2: or worked up about a digital where we have the time if we feel that we have it, right? I mean, why are people saying, I want to get it done yesterday? What's the rush? <laughs>
4: i mean I'd, I'd be curious to hear Steve's take on this too because uh, you know especially outside of his um, his organization i you know look i I honestly don't know that I hear ab- about the rush as much as I hear about the need uh, so digital transformation has become one of the biggest buzzwords that that, that I've seen in, in in business today in that you know w- many different Silos within the organization are trying to invest in technology as a matter of advancing their their business objectives. So, for example, the CMO is investing in digital transformation as a means to compete for the digital customers. Steve was talking about earlier because you have mobile, you have social, you have real time, and you have a an infrastructure for for sales and marketing that just really isn't in alignment with how customers or how many customers are behaving. Uh, you also have uh, HR and IT working on I- improving and upgrading systems, moving to the cloud. You have uh, the employee experience, which is becoming a, a
3: huge, huge
4: challenge. Uh, and, and priority within organizations in that employees are also starting to reflect how customers are behaving, uh, in terms of mobile and social and real time. So I don't know that I get the sense of urgency on each of these fronts as much as I get sort of this, this running around as if we, the technology is often the answer. So if we move to the cloud, we will have a leg, we will have a new platform for which we can compete more effectively. Uh, so I see, I see different perspectives all over the place, but what I don't see as often as, as, as I'd like to see is sort of this sense of purpose. Why are we doing this? To what extent are customers different? How how are we prepared to compete from a technology standpoint, but also from a process and a policy standpoint? Uh, and there's, there's this, I, I rarely see this orchestrator or this conductor that has sort of this direction to say, let's move in, this, uh, in, these, in these ways, let's make these types of investments, almost like this digital transformation steering committee, where everybody's operating against this, you know, what we talked about earlier, with vision and the sense of purpose, so that everybody knows what their role is. Uh, and that's when you start to see much more advanced stages in digital transformation, but I don't, I don't, I don't know that I get that urgency that you're talking about.
2: So if it's not urgency, so Steve, do you think as orchestrator, the one which Brian is recommending or, or should have, whether it's an individual or a committee, do you think any one of them would be qualified enough to be able to say, okay, this is what we should do versus not? Because it's, isn't it way too early for us to have that badge, if you will?
3: Yeah, so so I think it's always, always a team effort, but I, I have a simple formula for this. And, and it kind of moves from left to right. And the first thing you do is you get clear about direction. And then you get clear about pace and risk. So usually if you've got a faster pace, you've got higher risk. And so your culture, your company, what you're trying to accomplish, what's the right balance between pace and risk? And then you decide, and this, this third part is what people often forget and which leads to a lot of failures, is you figure out how it's going to operate over time. And so what direction do we want to go? How, how fast uh, do we want to build it, and how much risk are we willing to take on to build it at that speed? Um, and then how is it going to operate once we have it in production? And, and that's usually that last one's where people get messed up is they build it. They, they get into the speed of delivery. They don't manage the risk, and they don't manage how it's going to actually work uh, once they deliver it. And so if you get clear on those three things, direction pace, risk, operate over time, uh, you're much more likely to succeed. And um,
2: so, Brian, when you look at it from a standpoint of this orchestrator or or someone, what is this person going to do? The person would have a vision. Is that the the person's or the study committee's capability be that they would know what would make sense when we do not really know what the future holds?
4: Yeah, you know it's it's different for every organization. Uh, one of the things that I, I latched onto, what Steve said earlier, was the um, the idea that every company is different, and even in in that company, every every decision maker, just like every customer segment, you know, they're they're all at different maturity levels. What I've seen, where in the absence of a conductor, there there are change agents who have a a belief. Of which they are driven, and that is, in many cases, customer experience. I've seen digital transformation accelerate in ways that help do the things that Steve talked about uh, operationally, because there, there's a unified sense of purpose around trying to compete for this evolving customer and upgrading uh, and updating infrastructure <clears throat> as it means to do so, and what what happens over time with customer experience sort of being this primary catalyst is that change agents today anyone who touches the customer they're not all in the same department they're they're strewn across the organization running different facets of the customer journey but over time what happens is that these change agents step outside of their their roles to work with other departments as a means of building this this steering committee or this this work group so that they can work collectively save on resources, share resources, gain expertise together and experience uh, that I think ultimately forms this, this work group that is, is, is cross-functional uh, and then gives IT a, 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 this opportunity to have this seat within this, this steering committee. That gives everybody a shared sense of purpose, that everybody's learning together at the same time. Wherever that conductor rises from in there, you know, hopefully it's an executive sponsor or somebody in the suite, C-suite who wants to be involved in this. But it, I've, I've seen it, in, in this case, organically rise uh, or organize in this fashion over time in the absence of a conductor.
3: Steve, yeah, would this, you say – go ahead. I, I was just going to build on what Brian said because I, I agree with, with, uh, with his thoughts. One thing I always do uh with when we put together a team like this especially with the executives is I walk them through four questions. And the first question is are we united? So if we've established that direction then then I ask the question are we united? And that's not just at the the, the that executive level, it's tier 1, tier 2, tier 3. Are we are we united? The second question is do we believe success is possible? So, you know, if if there's any anything that that lessens people's belief that we can succeed, we need to have that conversation. The third is, are we willing to pay the price? And that's not about budget. That's willing. That's more about change. Are we willing to change? Are we willing to change processes? Are we willing to change how we approach the customer? Are we willing to change jobs and how we define them? Uh, and then the last one is, is who's accountable, and you need to make sure that that's very clear uh, in, in that team. So, so I, I just kind of ask those four questions to help set the stage and get people thinking uh, clearly about what we're trying to do.
2: And so, uh, Steve, my question to you would be, is this seen as an opportunity to clean the house, rationalize the portfolio, and uh, maybe modernize some legacy apps? Is that what people are using it as an opportunity and the funds are going there with whatever is left is what's been put into the innovation?
3: Well, I, I think that's different uh, for, for different people. Um, what we've done here is not so much talk about uh, uh, you know, uh, removing legacy systems. We've put it in a, in a, into a larger initiative, and it's an initiative that's not really about technology. It's, it's a simplify, standardize, and automate initiative, and that's around processes, that's around centralization, that's around all these other things, which at the end of the day are all necessary uh, to be able to do digital the way digital needs to be done. And so, so we're, we've got this big initiative around uh, simplifying, standardizing, and automating uh, with, with this end goal of, of being to a place where we can provide all of that uh, in a very efficient way, going back to those principles to live and lead by, you know, mobile, accessible, transparent, shareable, uh, et cetera.
2: And uh, to that, uh, Brian, would you think that if we are to rationalize the portfolio, would you always go with the notion that whatever is old should go away for creating way for the new? Or do you think legacy has a place even in the digital realm?
4: Oh, wow. I mean, (laughs) this is where I think philosophy and and humanities take take a place in digital transformation as well, is that, you know, look, an organization is... Just by default, overwhelmed with the amount of options it faces in where and how to change, not just technologically but also uh, from a, a let's let's look at ai as as one thing right we we all know that in a matter of, of depending on on the on the, the types of roles AI is going to be displacing or replacing certain white collar jobs. and we we have to look at well to what extent is that going to happen where is that going to happen and where do we need to start training or retraining uh, employees or hiring new employees uh, to to have the expertise necessary to stay ahead of this and, and keep us competitive uh, there are so there's so many areas of which I think to to Steve's point is We almost have to form an ongoing working group that is not just tackling legacy, but also looking ahead to, you know, well, what do we have, where are we going, and what do we need, and then what is our action plan to get us to where we need technologically and also uh, from a talent perspective and experience and expertise level. So there's still employees and customers who are very content with legacy systems. But at the same time, we all know that markets are evolving to places where those legacy systems just can't keep up, but it's not just systems. It's it's philosophies, it's perspective, it's legacy thinking and mindsets that are preventing, uh, I think, the organization to really move in directions that are faster uh, and more strategic. But one thing that Steve said earlier, uh, and this is where I think a lot of organizations get um, in trouble is that I don't know that they, they even think they're allowed to think differently about their role and how to how to evolve that because there's, it's, it's very rigid. People just are very comfortable from a psychology standpoint operating with what they know and what we're starting to move into are areas that we don't have all the answers, we don't have all of the expertise, and we do need to learn. And do we feel that we're empowered enough individually to learn and grow, or are we going to get stuck where we are and try to make decisions about the future based on legacy perspectives?
2: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, Steve would love to hear your journey about your this uh, rationalization and cleanup that you may have attempted as part of your digital transformation. In terms of how did you make your decisions, and what's your hindsight twenty twenty type of? input for the listeners. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: Or call 773-693-3919. Visit today.
1: voice america business network the bottom line in business you are listening to ctn cio talk network with sun gall now back to the show
2: Welcome back. So, Steve, uh, let's uh, hear your story and your journey, if you will, when you got started and started looking at the legacy. Did you let go? Did you use this funding for modernizing it? And then uh, did you actually see legacy playing a role in in what, what happens next?
3: Yeah. So, so I I have a mantra. If you remember Pat Wallington, she was the I think she was the first female CIO uh, when she was at Kodak, I think the first CIO to, to outsource. And then she was the uh, CIO at, at Xerox during their heyday. And she said something to me once that has just stuck with me. She said, there are two things you need to learn in life. You need to learn to learn, and you need to learn to change. And so as I came into this uh, new uh, role and, and uh, with, with the mandate to, to, to uh, develop a digital future, uh, I had to do some learning and then I had to change, and it wasn't just change the company, it was actually change the plan, because the plan as laid out uh, wasn't going to work. Um, let me give you an example, and it, it might uh, actually kind of tie back to, uh, to Brian's book and, and some of uh, his thinking there, if I, if I understood his description of it, but... Uh, uh, if, if you think about the industry I'm in right now, we're, we're in the textiles and, and garment industry. So that's, that's uh, napkins and tablecloths uh, and chef coats to restaurants. That's uh, scrubs to hospitals. Uh, that's uh, uh, fire-retardant uh, garments to, in the oil industry. And we have, we have thousands of trucks that drive millions of miles uh, every week uh, and, uh, and, and deliver uh, uh, these materials to our customers. When you start thinking about digital, uh, you maybe start thinking about eliminating uh, some of those drivers or automating some of that. Uh, but what we what we forgot, and what I needed to learn when I went out on, on on rides with our drivers, was our customer connects with the driver. That's their only relationship with us as an organization. So, and, and if you go back to a saying of my father's, <laughs> he always told me the quality of our lives is directly proportional to the quality of our relationships. So instead of trying to eliminate our best relationship with our customer, we then looked at how in a digital way do we enhance it. So early on, some of the thinking was that the drivers were a legacy system that we needed to replace. And what it evolved to is they were actually the most important system, and we needed to leverage digital to enhance uh, that relationship and that capability. And so it really kind of changed our journey when we kind of reconnected with what matters most uh and how we connect best with our customers and why they stay with us versus going to the competition and and so that that really shifted it and it's another way to think about legacy putting it in human terms as opposed to you know a mainframe or 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 uh, or a data center type of an idea does that resonate
2: no, it does, and, and uh, so when you did go and, and did talk about those people, bringing back the question about the basics of your IT portfolio, the rationalization, Yeah, what did you
3: do about that? So so that's a longer-term incentive, and it goes back for me to that, the, that first pr- one of those first principles I shared, which was how do you liberate yourself from the operational work so you can focus on the transformational and the strategic? So, so it's not just about digital, it's about the direction of technology to begin with, and I believe actually the evolution of the role of the CIO and the role of CIO departments, or CIT departments. And, and the idea is that, that we're, we're letting other people, uh, uh, take that operational work and do it for us. Uh, the, you know, it goes back to a mantra I use with my team. If, 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 if there's something that you're doing today that somebody else can do better than you, uh, then something only you can do isn't getting done. So, so there's more on our plate than we can ever get done, especially with, with the pace uh, that the digital world is driving. And so we need to liberate ourselves from that operational work. And, and again, that goes back to cloud and other things. Now, you have to do that in the right places. Uh, and so, men, or, uh, that, that'll probably come first in, in uh, marketing uh, and sales and those areas. Uh, it'll probably come last in areas like manufacturing, supply chains near the front end of that, but others are going to move more slowly uh, uh, in that uh, in that progression, that, that evolution.
2: So, Brian, one question about the digital next. Do you think we should even worry about tomorrow? Because what, what we learned, at least I personally see this, if you're mindful of what's happening with us, around us, and focus on today or now, the next automatically takes care of itself. So would it this, would this same principle not be true for an organization which says, this is my environment today. This is the best I can do to help the customer, the employees, the management, and the shareholder. Then would it not naturally make us do the things or decide things not based on some fuzzy logic, but instead based on facts,
4: and that will move us forward with confidence? You know, I, I think I think these are the types of conversations that all all executives should be having more often. I think because a lot of the time, a lot of decisions are just so binary that they miss the, the richness, of this, this intellectual richness that allows us to even think less rigidly about the future. You know, I don't I don't know an answer to that. I, I what I do know though is that we don't know the answer in general of what we need to do and why all the time. And and what, what Steve said, I think, really resonated with me. And I, I, I kind of wish I had the chance to know, um, know uh, I, I, I forgot her name already, but the, this the former CIO of Kodak, which was, those, those are two very powerful things, learning and changing, right? If you could at least get to that mindset that where the belief system is that you don't know everything, but you you will pursue those answers, like there is a there's an enlightenment that comes with that, and as well as this this, this freedom of which decision makers could enjoy, in, and in the process they are competing for tomorrow by trying to get these answers for today, because they're building an infrastructure that allows them to do so. I think the only other thing I would add to that, and I think this is where a lot of businesses could really benefit from their digital transformation is somewhere in between learn and change is this process of unlearning that (laughs) I don't know as individuals we can appreciate greatly. Uh, And that is because we are making decisions based on the past experiences that we have and those past successes and those past failures. But what's happening in terms of now and also for tomorrow is that those might be the very things that are counterintuitive to make decisions in the right way. Uh, So in there, when we unlearn based on those past perspectives or those legacy ways of thinking and those legacy results or measurements, there's an opportunity to, I think, learn, unlearn, and change in ways that get to your point. You're competing for tomorrow by addressing those things now, but also addressing the, the answers that you don't have right now. Uh, to help build a culture of empowerment, exploration, uh, experimentation, uh, and then I think what what we have there is is an infrastructure that is much more elastic and agile to use to use a, a word in its truest sense uh, to be competitive.
2: And so, so to that, Steve, do you think in your world, as I mentioned about being mindful or being present today, would you think that type of a culture have you seen that helping, or is that more making you myopic?
3: No, I I think it's it's taking agile and turning it into a philosophy as opposed to just a a, a development process. I want to build on what Brian was saying because it was it was it's it's very insightful where where he inserted the unlearning into the into the Pat Wallington quote. Uh, there's, a, there's another model I use called the growth cycle, and the idea is you, you learn something new, and then you struggle uh, with, with uh, adopting that new thinking, uh, and, then, and then you finally get to change, and then you get back to, to learning something else or something else at a higher level, and you struggle, change, and then learn. Sometimes organizations or individuals or teams uh, get stuck in struggle. And where we as leaders, and I think one of the keys here that we haven't talked enough about is—is is it's really uh, this is driven by leadership, and that maybe what's lacking in driving more success here is is leaders that can step up and, and see what needs to be done and see what they want to be done. But sometimes when you're stuck in struggle, you need to reach out and get help, uh, and they, that's an external consultant or that's uh, uh, you know uh, one of your peers. Sometimes people don't break out of struggle; they stay stuck in struggle, and so that unlearning is very important, uh, so they can get to the change. Uh, so, very, very insightful.
2: So, here when we are looking at simplifying the digital, is that something which, again, of course, it's going to be specific to a given organization. So, Brian, when you when somebody goes through that exercise to to simplify something, that could be the toughest. Uh, for anyone involved, what is what is being tried in your view across organizations to simplify this whole definition for digital in their own context, even before someone attempts to put effort, energy, and dollars into it? But before, just just you'll get a minute to think because we'll just go into a quick break. We'll be right back, guys. So please stay tuned.
0: Visit today.
1: Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now back to the show. Welcome back. So uh, it could be
2: the, the the fact that digital could be offering a lot of promise, but till we don't simplify what it means, even in our context, the implementation or execution where the devil can be would be difficult. So, so as the first step, Brian, what do you think people are doing to even simplify? what digital means for their
4: organization? Uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know that they are as, as, to the extent that they could be. I mean, this is a very important question, but it, uh, allow me, I'll, I'll be as quick as possible, but allow me to just kind of go around that question just for a quick second. I have a report coming out in, in the next several weeks that gets to the human side of digital transformation because I think this is where that potential simplicity could come from, uh, in that we complicate change so much because it's not about the technology. I think we could all get the technology, even even as advanced as it's getting. We can understand why it's doing certain things, and we can gain the expertise necessary to manage it. I think what, what happens is that the complexities of change are are all very human. Uh, and in fact, as I was interviewing uh, CIOs, CEOs, CMOs about digital transformation, the challenges, et cetera, Everything, I I, I stopped becoming an analyst somewhere in the process and started to become a therapist just by default in that you know, everybody was telling me about the problems that they have on the human side of things. So things like egos, politics, and and people who dig in because they don't want to change or self-preservation or you have saboteurs who try to undermine your efforts to bring about change. Uh, All of those things have nothing to do with technology. So when when we're trying to bring down to a simplistic level of how to make change potent, uh, is, it is, at some, it's at some, in some regard, every change agent has to become almost like a, a behaviorist. You know, how are we going to build relationships together when you see something different or you believe something different, yet we, we have to go together in this particular direction? Uh, And a lot of, a lot of what I had seen was, were, were individuals, whether they knew it or not, building on relationship skills in order to help the organization become more, more agile. And so this is why I believe every story of digital transformation comes down to personal transformation. Are you willing to step outside of your comfort zone in order to tackle things that are outside of your role to to bring people along. And in the absence of what Steve said earlier, which was spot on, you know, there, there is no top-down directive at, at the, at, from a leadership perspective that's helping people or empowering people to do this. So these change agents are rising up where I say leadership often rises from the middle, uh, where people are stepping up out of their roles to bring about change both personally and then also hopefully collectively. And I, and I say that, Change agents have to become a, a number of things to be successful in their roles. One's a politician, uh, because they have to be able to bring people together. They, they have to be a lawyer in order to make the case and, and present the evidence necessary that this is the right thing to do that it's in everybody's best interest, that it's not political. Uh, and also they have to be cheerleaders in the sense that you know this is this is a struggle, and they have to pet themselves and everyone else uh, every single day moving in these new directions because what they're missing is the absence of the comfort that they had before when they were operating in their normal role.
2: So, Steve, uh, based on what Brian said, of course, change agents are important, but then uh, they may not be fully qualified to define or establish what is the simplified form of digital for that organization. So they still need something to carry. Yeah. They could be a great carrier. Well, how, do yeah. you, how do you go about as a prerequisite or, or, or before they, you find the change agents or somehow they find the cause you make simplification as the core mantra before you tackle anything, before even you announce that this is what we are going to do.
3: Yeah, and, and, and I, just, I, need, I need to start with, a, with an old uh, quote because uh, it, it ties in with what Brian was saying. There's, there's an old saying in IT, uh, soft is hard and hard is easy. The technology part of our job, the, the boxes, the hard things are easy, uh, it's the soft stuff, the politics, the, the processes, the, 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 the people. That's, that's, that's the hard part of our, our job. Um, to, to build on, on, on your, your question, um, I've done two things in my career. I've done startups and turnarounds. And what I've really learned about uh, simplicity is it comes through clarity. And so one of the first things I do as I go into a startup or a turnaround is I walk up to the whiteboard, I write down what the business objective is. And then I write down three words. I write leverage, and to the left of that I write add, and to the the right of that I, I write shed. And the first thing we talk about is in order to achieve that objective, what do we need to continue to leverage or strengthen that we're doing today? And then we talk about what do we need to add, and then we talk about what do we need to shed. And so usually in that add column is where the technology comes in. From a digital perspective, here are the things we need to add. But what, what the, the two things are most important is what do you need to continue to leverage? What are you doing right? Um, and then when you get clear about what you need to add, then in order to achieve those two things, leveraging and adding, what do you need to let go of? And so going back to, to Brian's idea of that unlearning, what do you need to let go of? And so I use that very simple model to get clarity and then use that clarity to build the simplicity.
2: That is a fantastic response. Now, coming to the next question I would have is, we will have to simplify the processes and simplify the underlying business outcome that somebody expects or, or the very working experience that people have before you go and, and start opening up this technology faucet or try to you know wrap it with technology. Do you think people who are supposed to drive digital they are given the carte blanche to go and, and fix all of that up front before they tackle any, uh, this new digital-oriented innovation? Steve?
3: No, uh, there is no linear process. You've got to be able to manage multiple streams uh, at the same time. You've got to, and it's just it, it's the horrible part of our job, is you've got to find some way to deliver near-term benefits uh, while at the same time, you know, it's it's you, you've got to fix the engine on a moving car, and that's that's just part of our our job and the complexity of it. You've also got to fight those battles where where uh, it goes back to managing risk. Is you know, you, I can't do this until this or this happens. But but to to stay employed, and and we CIOs have a have a fairly rapid turnover. Uh, you've got to be able to be be providing value or or demonstrable progress uh towards those those goals. And so that's what gets tricky is is how do you how do you uh bring value in 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 driving digital while at the same time fixing those foundational things uh that are going to enable you to do more of that in the future. Brian, what about the partners? Because we are
2: so externally focused now, while we would love to do everything as an organization, but the way we deliver experience to a customer may not necessarily be only our own people. It could be your partners in the ecosystem. They may have their different priorities. As you mentioned, that they may have even have their own definition of digital. But frankly, customer is not expecting to get three different flavors of experiences from each person who or each entity who delivers together. How do you tackle that?
4: Ooh, boy, well, I think everybody's going to attack, attack it differently, uh, depending on you know, the culture of the organization, depending on who the players are. But I think that there's some systematic uh, organization that has to, to, to be applied. Uh, for example customer experience is 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 most often the uh, not only the catalyst but it, it, there there's very strategic business reasons for why it, it takes precedence in in guiding digital transformation and that you know to your point uh, you know, a, a customer doesn't want to have three different flavors of experiences yet that's the the, the very thing that they have today i mean a customer trying to even let's just say in the most simple con- you know, business to consumer example, if they hit the, if, if they hit the company on on the web via a laptop versus a, a smartphone, they're going to have a very different experience. Uh, we live in a time where we haven't even had a. Uh, a meaningful discussion about what a website's supposed to be in 2017. You know, in, in that a, a, a customer, a consumer today doesn't have the attention span or the patience that 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 they used to have, uh, just simply because they they have reluctant relationships with the technology that they use. But to that point, when when you start to look at what the desired customer experience is versus the customer experience that's being delivered today, there are things that could populate a roadmap or a priority list uh, and also who those players are in order to expedite change or advancement in in these areas, of which could start to form these small work teams that could start to get people to collaborate on, on something as simple as, say, updating, fixing, and, and, and innovating in the customer journey. Uh, but I think that it's those sense of purpose, those objectives that give people sort of an opportunity to, to collaborate uh, and bypass a lot of the politics and egos that might get in the, in the way otherwise. But I've seen it in that most simplest way uh, be more effective because they, they are working to the greater good of the customer, which ties to business objectives, et cetera. And then things like customer experience become the natural beneficiary of that work.
2: 30 seconds. Steve, last question for you. What do you think should be done in terms of the ownership of simplifying digital? Who should be the owner? And what would be the culture and the training that will allow for those owners to be able to enable that simplicity in going digital? 30 seconds.
3: Um, As always, I believe the CIO should be the power behind the throne. And whether the person on the throne is the CMO or the CEO or the CFO uh, or different ones for different projects, uh, we need to be behind them, supporting them, uh, more than uh, than driving uh, at the at the forefront.
2: On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, uh, Steve and Brian, for sharing your thoughts on how we can work together, simplify our expectations and the journey to digital now and next. Thanks so much. And listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and join our LinkedIn group. Thank you again for listening to CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and
1: God bless. CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and BlackBerry.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com.